Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick and Jeff Lasseter. How are you guys doing? What's up? Hey. Good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, glad to be back, finally. Uh, I suppose I should give our links out, shouldn't I? Uh, every, uh, IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle's CriticsPod. Listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all your podcatchers. Uh, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash criticspod. And then if you want any of our Public merch, head over to ihatecritics.net and click on the Public link. Jeff, where can our listeners find your art? All my links are at jefflaster.com or go to my Instagram. Honestly, that's where you can link everything there, too. It's uh, Jeff Lassiter, L-A-S-S-I-T-E-R pop cult and sean where can people read your reviews you can read the archive blog at sean at the movies.blogspot.com and of course uh, geeks.media where i've got a full profile as well of my more modern reviews including my brand new top 10 movies of 2022 list and we have those links in our show notes all right this episode is 2022 year in review or top 10 list which I'll be honest, I I almost needed a top thirty because two through I don't know thirty, thirty one, thirty two are very close. Uh, that's the kind of year it was. Uh, but where do you guys want to start? Just go around the table, start with ten. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we'll start at number ten. I'll start uh, if you don't mind. I'll start with uh, my number ten being. Moon Age Daydream, the David Bowie documentary that was near the top of my list for much of the year until I got to the end of the year and got overwhelmed by some really great movies. But Moon Age Daydream is just such an extraordinary experience. I saw it at home. I saw it at the theater. Then I saw it again at home because I had to watch it again because it's just so incredible. I'm a huge David Bowie fan, so that certainly plays a part. But I think Brett Morgan is just such an amazing director. The way he creates a story of Bowie's life through the uh, archive that Bowie left behind is the first documentary to have the full support of uh, David Bowie's uh, family and estate and access to the things that David Bowie himself created, uh, both his music and the videos that he worked on for so many years. He was a director, David Bowie, uh, behind the scenes for so many years directing his own stuff. And nobody got to see it because he wasn't sure what he wanted to do with it. He was kind of assembling it as he went along. And uh, Brett Morgan takes that and Bowie's music and just creates this amazing work of art from it that is one of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen and certainly one of the most extraordinary documentaries I've ever seen. So Moon Age Daydream is my number 10. Have you seen that, Jeff? I have not. And it's a big blind spot for me. I don't know why I haven't. Um, I have... Actually, two of my two of my friends who I'm trying to get to be Facebook friends who are huge Bowie fans have talked about it and talk about him incessantly, but I still have not seen it. Are you a big Bowie fan? I w- yeah. I mean, I go in. I I really go in phases with music. Like right now, it's all about this just diva pop, and it's partially because I saw the Whitney Houston movie and I was like, <laughs> I want to wash that out of my mind. So I'm just going to listen to her music. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen it either. And I'm a casual Bowie fan at best. So I 
I probably should watch it. I think I'd probably like him a lot more. I don't dislike him at all. I just never spent time with his music outside of the hits. Yeah, I have a great Bowie print, by the way, at my website, so just go check that out and please buy it all. They're all 40% off right now. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Start making some arrows. Should I just, shirts. every time we do, every time we say a movie that I have merch for, should I just mention it? <laughs> That's going to be a lot tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that right, right now. All right, Jeff, what was your number 10? Um, my number 10 was not a great movie, but it was one of the most fun movies I've seen this year or this past year. Uh, and it's orphan first kill. I was a big fan of the first one. I thought that it was much cleverer than I thought it was going to be. And I was surprised at the twist. This one has a twist in the middle that you're just like, Holy fuck. What What the hell is going on with this movie to the point where I'm like, I just, I'm a casual movie watcher. If some, if I don't go see something in the theater, I'm usually drawing or, you know, just kind of putzing around or whatever. This movie made me stop, collaborate and listen. <laughs> and I watched this. I just was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is, a, I mean, the fact that she's a 30 year old woman who looks now like a 30 year old woman playing a 25 year old, you know, like it, it's just, it's just like, it's layers and layers and layers and Julia Stiles is in it. And wow. I've never seen her play that before. And it was great. Do you see that one, Sean? Absolutely. I loved orphan first kill. It is a, it's a, it was a bit of a get for me, kind of a guilty pleasure because I just, I, I wasn't sure how I truly felt about it, but the more I sit with that movie, the better it gets. It's got such an insane uh, sense of humor, especially uh, Julia Stiles starts off so straight and narrow, and then just the the second she turns on that uh, <laughs> supposed kid is just <laughs> phenomenal, and it becomes this battle of wits between the two of them. And once that starts, the movie just gains this whole new energy that is so unexpected and alive. And yeah, it's a fantastic movie. All right, have you seen it, Bob? I have not. Uh... You're, you you got to watch watch it especially for the scene where where Esther is driving and being chased by the it's just oh my god I I I it makes me want to watch it again tonight. <laughs> I will have to make it. I'm going to try to watch every movie we talk about tonight that I haven't seen. That'll be my goal. My number 10 and I, this is weird. I I went through ranker like Sean suggested or whatever that ranking search engine was, or ranking engine was. And this is the way it came out. And I don't, it seems weird that this is in my top 10, but I have Bullet Train. Uh, I thought it was a ton of fun. I, I liked it a lot. It was kind of the perfect action movie for the year. Uh, and somehow it ended up in the top 10. I don't understand why, but like I said, two, <laughs> through, two through 30 were really hard for me to, they were all neck and neck. I think if I did this every, if I redid it again, it wasn't such so much work to do the ranking engine. Uh, it would probably be different every time, but uh, I do enjoy Bullet Train. I thought it was a lot of fun, but I, I do find it weird that it's in my top ten. But that's where it landed. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a top uh, it's top fifty for me this year, and with my top fifty is all like movies I rated at least four stars on Letterboxd. I, I loved Bullet Train. I had a great time watching Bullet Train. It's a lot of fun. The violence is exceptional. Brad Pitt is delivering maybe my favorite Brad Pitt performance ever. 
He's just having a great time. And everybody in the movie is having a really great time. Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, phenomenal cast. Extraordinary direction by the, the guy who did uh, John Wick. Like, you've got some just tremendous violence, a great sense of humor, a terrific setting. It's all just really great. And then Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> Loved yeah. it. And, I mean, I'd watch a spinoff of almost all these characters. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Have you seen it, Jeff? It's on my list. I have a, uh, it's, it's, I've kind of just kind of been back, backpedaling some of my movies from last year. Um, I, until I joined the show, it was like, okay, I'm not going to see any movies that I don't necessarily want to see. And I have a thing, I have like a a Brad Pitt blockage. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I really don't. I mean, he's not bad. You, you sided with uh, Jennifer Aniston back in the day. Oh, God, <laughs> I don't care. The, the best thing about Jennifer Aniston was her dad was on Days of Our Lives. Come on. <laughs> I don't care. Rest in peace, John Aniston. Um, I was. Uh, if I had to side with somebody, it would be Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Know. I, I just. I don't. He's. He's not somebody. I. I want to. I'm not going to rush out and see a Brad Pitt movie. So fair enough. All right. Sean, what do you got for number nine? <laughs> My number nine is one I don't think either of you have ha- no, neither of you have had a chance to see this one yet. You'll have a chance hopefully very soon. It's called Women Talking, and it's directed by Sarah Polly and uh just an all-star cast with Jesse Buckley and Claire Foy and Rooney Mara, Francis McDormand. This is a true story set in, in a uh religious colony in Canada, uh from back in twenty ten. Nobody actually knows what happened. But we do know that for fa- for a fact that these that the women of this colony simply all left one day, uh, and the assumed reason why was that they were being repeatedly sexually assaulted on a nightly basis, uh, and finally they just decided we're not going to take this anymore, and they decided to leave. But it took a lot to do that because they were walking away from not just their husbands; they're not walking away from the only lives they've ever known. They're walking away from having been told throughout their lives that if you're not part of this community, you won't go to heaven. Like there's a lot of things that went into this decision to walk away. And this movie tracks through the ideas of what they must've gone through to get to this decision. Uh, Some of them even wanted to stay and physically fight the men, like put, uh, put this to an actual physical fight if they had to, because they wanted to be there. Many of them with their sons who, you know, had after so much indoctrination at an early age, were going to develop into becoming these men who, I mean, they drugged these women, they they sexually assaulted these women, they told them for a time that what was happening to them was because of demons, not because men were doing this to them. It was demons attacking them in the night. Like they just brainwashed these women for years and years, but it's not just that story. It takes on so many other dimensions. When you consider the current political climate with this movie arriving in, the way that women have been treated, especially you know with the Roe v. Wade decision and the, the you know the the manosphere and all that garbage, incels and whatnot, uh, women talking addresses a lot of really big issues in a, in a really intelligent way with some amazing conversation and some just hardcore you know. Hardcore women's rights uh, stuff. This is an amazing movie. Uh, Sarah Polly is an incredible director, and I, I can't recommend it enough. When will it be available and where? 
Uh, hopefully, it's going to be uh, moving out nationwide before the Critics' Choice Awards on the 15th, hopefully. But if not, it should be out in time for the Oscars because it's going to be in that conversation for oh, sure. Oh, it's a theater movie? Awesome. Uh, Jeff, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Prey, the Predator sequel, um, with a caveat. You got to watch it in the Comanche language track. It and it's so much better. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, I did watch it with both uh, this this past fall, and I one of my friends was like, "Watch it! Oh, if you can get the Comanche language track, try that." So I did, and I was much more engaged because I had to pay attention more. And then I watched it a couple weeks later in English and I found myself drifting a little bit, you know, like, Oh, I can, I can listen. I can hear what they're saying and Mm -hmm. I've seen it. So let me draw a little bit while I'm doing that. And I was so engaged when I was in Comanche that I, 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 if you get the opportunity to see it with the Comanche language dub, see it that way. It was a, it was it was a top 50 for me as well. This is another really great movie and really a, a, an amazing year for Hulu uh, remakes. You know, this and Hellraiser was also really good. Um, this was, I think, better than that. And I think it's honestly better than any other Predator movie, if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest. I think the action is better. I think the direction is better. Uh, I think the the uh, even the you know, just big iconic action moments are better than anything that they've done in the Predator franchise before. And I don't hate the Predator franchise. I, I like the original Predator. I thought Predators was pretty good with Adrian Brody, uh, mm-hmm. but this one blows them all out of the water. Yeah, I agree. I, this is in my top 30, and uh, I, I liked how they took Predator seriously. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but I'll have to... Is that available on Hulu, Jeff? That Yeah. Yep. I think you have to watch it on the um, on the app. Like on your on your iPad, that's how I watched it. I don't I don't know if they've if they've given you the opportunity on the TV app yet. All right. Um, but I watched it. I watched the first time I watched it. I watched it on my iPad. I have an iPad Pro, so it's fairly large, and I was, you know, right there with it. So, I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but I'm curious. If I have a chance. I should. Uh, I mean, if you if you can only see it once, and you you know, like you don't have to watch it in the Comanche, but I completely recommend it. My number nine is Nocturna, side A and B. Uh, this was just a very unique experience. It was it was a fun podcast to do. Uh, just the conversation about the movie alone was uh, just exciting. Side B is so weird like it there's no point in ever watching it if you haven't seen side a at the same time i love the fact that it exists <laughs> so, uh i'm assuming it shows up on sean's list later uh but i it, it was a i just loved this movie and it was a lot of fun just really neat how the way they dealt with uh dementia and every, i don't know it's just a really an old age more than that just getting older uh mm-hmm just phenomenal absolutely and yes i will be uh, talking more about it a little later on in my list as it is much higher on mine <laughs> stupid ranking search engine <laughs> uh 
Uh, yeah, Jeff, if you get a chance to see Nocturna, it's pretty incredible. Will do. At least side A. I mean, side B is... It, it's Yeah, side A... Whew. <laughs> side A is the intense one. Is intense. Side B is just discordant and chaotic, and it's filled with just visuals and sound more than anything. Uh, whereas side A is much more of a recognizable movie, but with just huge, huge themes. But I'll, I'll talk more about that later. <laughs> number eight. All right. Uh, number eight. My number eight is, again, another one. I'm for- unfortunately, you guys haven't had a chance to see yet. Uh, hopefully, by the time the Oscars come around, you will. It's called After Sun, and it is a movie uh, from director Charlotte. It's an A24 film, which, again, there's going to be a lot of those on this list because A24 is the best at what they do. Uh, Charlotte Wells directing an actor by the name of Paul Meskel and a young woman named Frankie Corey as a father and daughter who take a vacation to Turkey. Uh, it's not they're, they're in this very kind of very low rent sort of middle of the road resort. They're spending time together. We get the sense through some flash forwards and some dream sequences that there are going to be problems in the future, uh, maybe sooner rather than later between this father and daughter. But that story just is sort of it just unfolds in this very almost mundane way until you start to realize what's really taking place. And the, you know, the themes start to become clearer and the potential futures for both of these characters start to become clearer and it takes on this air of of sadness, almost uh, bordering on despair before it you know, picks up a little bit again. Charlotte Wells has written and directed this movie just so incredibly well. She gives it a very uh, unique feel. It feels like it could be set anywhere, but it mostly like in the early 90s, maybe. Uh, it, but it, it, they never really comment on it. <laughs> they don't really tell you anything. You have to really get inside this movie and kind of let your mind wander within after sun to really find it. And once you do it, uh, just it hypnotizes you, it entrances you, it takes you in and then it breaks your heart. And uh, that's just kind of a, <laughs> a classically a 24 themes. Just make sure you give us plenty of notice when it comes out. Cause I don't want to miss it. What do you got for number eight, Jeff? Uh, number eight for me is the black phone. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. Everybody knows by now I'm a huge horror movie fan and I, I, I'm not shocked by horror anymore. I'm not, you know, it's not something that really kind of makes me go, Oh wow, that was really good. But I actually saw this movie, uh, in the same theater as Sean. And I, what I, I remember saying to Sean, he was like, Oh, well, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And I said, well, I don't know. I've heard things and we are very different about what we like. And by the end of it, we we're both like, all right, this was good. And what I think what makes it so good is the performances. Because everybody in it is just so good at what they're doing. Um, and especially, you know, I want to uh, shout out, you know, I mean, the main cast with Ethan Hawke is great. Um, I think that the the kid who plays Finney, whose name I'm blanking on right now, uh, Mason Thames, uh, he was he was really good and believable, but especially Madeline McGraw, who plays the his sister, who is ju- uh, her potty mouth, and you're gonna be fucking kidding me! What the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, 
you know, it, it's one of those movies where you're just like, oh, shit, this is, you know, this is much better than I really expected. And it was an original idea. Um, Jeremy Davies is particularly good as the dad who doesn't have an outlet for his grief about his mother or his, his wife dying and his parents or his kids being left without a parent. And he takes it out on his kids. He gets drunk and beats the shit out of Gwen at one point. And I, you just get from him that he, hurt people hurt people. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's all in his eyes and just the kind of the looks on his face. And I was really, I was really, really surprised by how much I liked this movie. And in any other movie, you know, they would have given up on that character. And I loved what they, what they did with him. It was really, uh, really very well done. Scott Derrickson directed that. And uh, he's just such a, he's such a unique director. He, he did the first Doctor Strange and he's also in like, was it Insidious? I think it was. He's just such a, an eclectic director and such a smart director. He's just uh, an absolute genius. And he's taken this, uh, you know, this concept of the black phone and you know, a lot of people paid more attention to Ethan Hawke's mask than they did anything else. But <laughs> that mask is pretty terrific. <laughs> it's a pretty terrific he- mask. It's a great, a great prop. And Ethan Hawke uh, uses it very well. But uh, I really thought what really surprised me was was the use of the of of ghosts and the ghost uh, imagery, the the way he it's so creepy. It's so mm-hmm. creepy. Like I, I could see that just being a, a step too far in a movie that does feel very grounded uh, in terms of its drama, that the ghosts might be a step too far. But there's he presents it in such a creepy fashion that it just it works incredibly well. Yeah, he made he didn't make Insidious. He made uh, Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Sinister, that's what I'm trying is to think of. One of the creepiest fucking movies I have seen in a long time, to the point where the kills in that, and I did not like the end of it. I, that was not, I it kind of did not stick the landing. But the kills in that were so inventive and creepy and legitimately scary. With you know, like the Love Lawnmower kill. Every single time ooh, I watch ooh. that movie, I jump. Didn't he also make a, like a random Hellraiser movie like to get a start? I think it's possible. He I heard he did. He I heard have, it's yeah. actually fairly solid for a Hellraiser <laughs> movie for a random yeah. sequel with no budget. I can't remember which one, but I think he did. Um, I think it was was it Hellworld, the one with. Um, it it just seems like something Scott Derrickson would do just as a challenge for himself to try and make a good Hellraiser sequel. You know what? I just looked it up. It was Hellraiser Inferno. Um, I don't. That was. Oh, you know what? That that one was actually that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that one. Uh, that one was one of the better ones. It was not the one with Henry Cavill. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to make that a classic it, next time we make some movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that. It had Craig Sheffer in it from. The eighties, oh, wow. um, <laughs> James Remar. I mean, well, let's, Craig Shepherd <laughs> was in I Nightbreed. Mean, it's, it's the most accurate description a, of him. He was in Nightbreed, which was one of my favorite movies of the eighties. Um, James Remar, Nicholas Turturro, you know, lots of people that you've heard of actually in a in a horror movie, in a Hellraiser movie. So, yeah, and I love Black Bob. Phone did you see too. the Black Phone? Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought I loved that it was similar to the reason why I like Bullet Train was that it was a watchable uh, 
almost I don't want to call it a popcorn movie, but uh, just a a horror movie that was original in the theaters. It wasn't you know we we have to go see Avengers and Star Wars movies in the theaters now. That's it. You know it's hard to for people to be successful. <laughs> And it's cool to see a movie like this exist and be as good as it is while being an original concept. Uh, and it's more about the kids than it is him, which, I don't know, it, it sucks you in, and then it just ends up being a really fun, watchable movie. Uh, it was in my 2022 was, yeah, 2022 was an amazing year for horror movies in the theater. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even and even some on TV that I'll mention later, so... Uh, what are we at? Number eight? Seven. Have I done mine? No, you haven't done yours yet. No, you go ahead. <laughs> All right. Mine is yellow wallpaper. Uh, just, uh, not a horror movie, but a movie that uses horror themes to, to tell a different story, uh, to tell a, uh, I'm not, I'm sure I'll let Sean talk about it when it's his turn to talk about this movie, <laughs> but uh, it just is really good and really unique, and I'm. It, it's just really cool to see movies like this right now. I, I, this was a year where I needed something different because it had been kind of blockbuster after blockbuster for years, and we got a lot of fun original movies, and this was one of the better ones. Yeah, the yellow wallpaper is an honorable mention for me. I couldn't. I wanted it on my top ten. I couldn't quite squeeze it into my top ten because of some of the late in the year stuff I saw, but uh, it's directed by K. Pontuti. And uh, one of the first things you see in this movie is just so shocking and so amazing that they did it, uh, that I, I was just blown away. And it just sucks you in from the, the first scene on. And then it takes you into this room where this yellow wallpaper seems to be coming alive and tormenting this woman who's just trapped there. And you're really it's just a couple of sets. It's, a, it's this one room with all this yellow wallpaper. And then, of course, it's the, there's a few outdoor scenes. Uh, but a lot of it just takes place in her mind, this constant torment. She's a woman who you know has a baby, but she really isn't all that interested in being a mother at a time when that was the only role available to women. Uh, this is set in the 1800s. And, and so being, being a woman, being ambivalent about being a mother in that time certainly takes on an extra dimension. And it's so incredibly well explored in this movie. Yeah, I definitely recommend people check it out. I think it's on HBO right now. I'm sure it's on other platforms. It's a horror movie, Jeff. You'll love it. <laughs> it's, uh, it was, we, when we were talking about a couple movies the other night, I was like, I remember hearing about this, but, not, but it like, wasn't available when I wanted to see it. And so I definitely added it to my queue. So well, the director is a uh, is trans, so it's a, a no, another notable aspect. A lot of that probably a lot of people know that if you know that movie, you probably know it because of that. Number number seven. Number seven is a movie I begged you guys to watch, but I don't think either of you got a chance to. Uh, Decision to leave. Uh, Chanwick Park's new movie. Uh, the director of Old Boy. Uh, here he's t- you know, he's known for being very shocking uh, with incredible amounts of violence and uh, disturbing elements. Obviously, old boy has a, has a lot of that. A decision to leave is is him not toning down so much, but him taking it in a different direction. Instead of trying to shock you, he's trying to uh, devastate you, <laughs> devastate your emotions, which he absolutely does. Uh, police detective becomes obsessed with uh, a woman who may or may not be a murder subject. 
a suspect and uh, that obsession sort of grows in this very hypnotic, uh, slowly paced, ever evolving story of whether or not you know she's she's a killer or if she's not, uh, and just this effect that she has on him, and that it all builds to an ending that just I you can't predict, you can't expect, you'll never see it coming, and when it gets there, you're just your jaws on the floor. That's the kind of movie it's, I mean, which old boy had the same effect, but you know, yeah. Awesome movie. Awesome. I want to see it so bad. Uh, the main reason I haven't seen it is I'm busy and I have a wife that likes the polar opposite things I do. So it's hard to (laughs) make time to see stuff like this, but I'm, it's at the top of the list. As soon as I have time to myself to watch it. Jeff, what do you got for number seven? I have Nope by Jordan Peele. Uh, My one word review of the movie is yep. Um, (laughs) But of course, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, I just this is this is one of those ones where it doesn't quite reach the levels of us for me. Um, But it's got a great cast and it's everybody is a really, really well-developed character in it. Uh, I like how Stephen Young's character is living in the past and he's built his entire persona about living in the past. Um, this is quite honestly, one of the most original designs I've ever seen for an alien in a movie, uh, mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, I kept like, Holy shit. Every time I would move and, you know, do something in the sky, I was just like, Holy shit. That's just beautiful. Um, Kiki Palmer gives that, you know, like, I'm going to, I'm here to give you what you want. And that's her character and that's her performance. And she does. Yeah. Um, I just, just all around, everybody was just perfect, perfectly cast and did exactly what they should have been doing. Even Donna Mills. That uh, Nope is a uh, honorable mention on my list. Uh, definitely a top 15 movie for me. I couldn't squeeze it onto my top 10, but uh, I, that that image of that shoe just standing on an end in that mm-hmm. uh, opening scene is one of the most, it's just one of the most, you know, grabbing <laughs> scenes. Like it just holds you like, it's so weird and so unusual. And then when you find out uh, all that's happening around it, I mean, it's just a shoe standing on end with a, just a drop of blood on it. And then you can see kind of the detritus around it, but you have no idea how it how it got where it is and why and then when you find out it's so surprising it's so amazing uh but then you just head off in this whole other story i mean there's just these incredibly clever ideas an early death uh for keith david that uh again you're like how did this happen what what is that uh the, yeah. the little detail that Je- that jordan peele uh just drops into every scene to set you up even the a big misdirection with little tiny kids. <laughs> just uh, amazing. Amazing. And then just a, a wonderful just a number of wonderful step, set pieces throughout. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya's performance is just perfect. Uh, he's just amazing. Like totally. He's a total cowboy. He's a total cowboy who doesn't he, uh, know. He's, it's not that he's not charismatic. He's charismatic even without talking, but like it's just, he's so toned down. Like this is not a, a broad performance in any way. Uh, he's very insular, and but yet that completely works for him in this movie. Everything in this movie completely works. Yeah, it was a top 20 for me. Uh, 
I don't have much more to say other than I agree. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> uh, my number seven is good luck to you, Leo Grand. Uh, I just love the performance. I love the story. I love the episode we did on it. It was entertaining for me. I, I just, I, if you can get movies where people just talk and I'm interested in it and I just, I can't turn away. It's, those seem to be my favorite for whatever reason. And this just nails it. I love the idea of trying to find out what you really want and trying to be who you are. And I mean, it seems like a, such a simple idea, but it's just so well done. The performances are really what make this movie great. The movie itself is fine, but I, I just, I love everybody in it. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. The good luck to Leo Grant is a tremendous movie. Emma Thompson is really great in it. And the, and the dialogue, like you said, the, the back and forth between them, the way that they're uh, feeling each other out. So they're both, they're empathetic. They're, they're funny. They're smart, but they're also insightful about each other and the, the way that they see each other uh, so specifically and how they, how they spell that out in the dialogue is just it's wonderful it's a it's great to see and then it's not a it's a movie that's basically got just you know one or two sets again but you, you the sets are are opulent and beautiful and 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 well and well filmed uh then you know providing the perfect background for this story about self-discovery and two people who really are really digging in on each other well another thing too is i remember when we talked about it a lot of people got it wrong <laughs> with their review <laughs> like they didn't seem to understand the point and that yeah. that always seems to make me more happy when i do a better job than some paid critics <laughs> actually <figuring laughs> stuff out. so that probably moved it up a little higher on my list than it maybe deserved to be uh but it definitely was a fun experience for me uh number six number six is glass onion a knives out mystery ryan johnson's uh latest uh the second movie uh, for Detective Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig. This movie is insanely smart. Uh, tremendous mystery, but with just the best cast. I mean, just incredible performances top to bottom. Of course, Daniel Craig is awesome, but Janelle Monet is going to get an Oscar nomination for this and deserve it. Uh, she's so great uh, playing the role that she plays. I don't want to spoil anything about it for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's just so, so smart. And Edward Norton, in this moment, playing a version of Elon Musk. I was going to say Edward Norton. I mean, <laughs> that too, but it's just, it's such a perfect, it's such a perfect distillation of that kind of guy. And coming along at this time, it could not, it just feels very, it's delicious to watch that level of deconstruction of, of a character like that. It's Edward Norton's best performance in years. Uh, but then you've got Dave Bautista and Kate Hudson. I mean, ah, oh, it's so good. And the mystery is phenomenal. I, I, I can't say enough good things. I just love, I loved this movie. Agreed. Yeah, I, it's not in my top 10. And I think the reason being is I saw it on Netflix, not in the theater. And I think sometimes that matters. I like it. It's in my top 20. Uh, it's a mm -hmm. fantastic movie. But I, 
I tend to go back to the experiences I had with the movie. One, I didn't get to talk about in the podcast. You guys did because I hadn't seen it yet. And two, it just, you know, I, it took me three times to, I started it, stopped it, started it, stopped it. Uh, so I'm kind of bummed about that. That's a lesson that you need to see movies in the theater. <laughs> Jeff, what do you got for number six? Uh, my number six is spoiler alert. And while I talk about this, I'm going to talk about two of my honorable mentions at the same time because they really kind of tie into my feelings about this one. Um, spoiler alert, the <laughs> it's based on a book called Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies. And in the first scene, you find the hero dying. Um, I think without that scene, this would have been the perfect rom-com, uh, you know, like that that bros wanted to be, you know, bros was like, this is the first gay rom-com and it's kind of, I mean, it's yeah. Released by major studio and there've been, you know, many before, um, spoiler alert has the heart. Whereas bros has the acerbic wit. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Spoiler alert has some very, very funny scenes. The Smurf scene alone is worth, worth that. (laughs) Um, but I really feel like this is the movie with heart and I mean, spoiler alert, it turns into a cancer movie. Uh, it's a very, very narrow, narrow, uh, genre of Sally field has a child who has cancer movies or, you know, an imperiled (laughs) child. If you want to include not without my daughter, that horribly racist piece of shit movie. Um, anyway, uh, (laughs) My other, uh, my other gay honorable mention was Fire Island. Um, and that's on Hulu. That started off as a Quibi series, but they turned it into a movie that stars somebody who I absolutely cannot fucking stand, Joel Kim Booster. I just, every, I don't, I've, I've heard from people who know him that he's a very lovely person, but everything about him what, that I see in the media is just super shallow and that took me out of it Bowen yang is in the movie he's great you know he plays the you know kind of the good friend and he's got a nice little group of friends that go to fire island uh it's a very it's it it one of those movies that would have been probably better as a as a series not a quibby series where you get like two minutes and then it's over um but that was on hulu released as a movie and it was it was it was good it was not I give it an honorable mention because of spoiler alert and because of bros being on my uh, honorable mentions. Spoiler alert has, I has people in it that I absolutely love people. Like I'm not a huge Jim Parsons fan. Just he's good, but I was never a big bang theory fan. And so I kind of missed that boat. I think we talked about that on the show. Um, However, the, the, the performance that he gives as Michael Osiello is it's heartbreaking. It's just, you want him to get what he wants and what he deserves. And you, you know, going into the movie that he's not going to, that it's, you know, while he's having all this, this professional success, his personal life is falling apart and his husband is dying of cancer. And, uh, the, uh, Seeing the first part of it, it just was like I I know what's going to happen, but I really want this guy to like beat it, and you know it it was really it was one of the more emotional movies for me this year, and I I you know I scoff at emotions most of the time, <laughs> so 
to see this that it really was like this this was a movie that i'm like okay this is definitely my top 10 it's a it's a wonderful film and it's definitely you know up there for me not in my top 10 but it's up there for me it was emotional it's moving jim parsons is incredible in it uh i I, I had a couple of quibbles with a couple of choices in terms of the filmmaking, but Bob, this is uh, Michael Showalter directing this one, the director of uh, Big Sick. Uh, this is a guy who knows how to do this. He also directed Sally Field and uh, Hello, My Name is uh, Norma. Doris. 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 Hello, My Name is Doris. He's just, Hello, My he's, Name is Norma Ray. <laughs> he's gotten so good at this. He's gotten so, he's just such a great director of a really emotional yet still very funny movies. And, uh, yeah, the, hopefully you'll get a chance to see this one. I intend to. My number six is more of a bias, and it's, I'm going to blame that ranking engine again on this one. I very rarely do I get to see a movie before Sean does, uh, and this was one of those cases. And then for Sean to end up liking it too made me, I don't know, it, it increased the experience. I'm a big Mark Maron fan, and I the movie to Leslie where he just a small role in it uh, was just kind of shockingly good. I was, I think more than anything, I didn't have a high bar for it. It jumped way over it and just made for a really great experience. Uh, it's about a lady who wins like what was $150,000 in the lottery <laughs> and then uh, just blows it all on drugs and wait, just waste it all. And, as you do and you know becomes the laugh, laughing stock of the town and just how she has to deal with it it's a very straightforward movie again just it relies strictly on performances the movie itself is fine but it's the performances that make it good and to hear mark Marin trying a southern accent and actually kind of pulling it off is kind of <laughs> it was just i enjoyed that and it's a bias but it, it's a bias pick but it's still it's my list so there <laughs> now, Two Leslie is a is a terrific movie. Uh, it makes tremendous uh, choices throughout. Uh, I, I, the, I'm trying to get the actress's name. I think it's Char- it, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Uh, just absolutely amazing. Or Andrea Riesborough, excuse me, Andrea Riesborough, who was having just this amazing year. Just, I mean, she was in Matilda, which was another great movie. Uh, she had a couple other movies that. Not a lot of people saw, but were phenomenal. Uh, and and she just embodies this character, Le- Leslie, that you just you you feel like you know this person. If you've ever lived in a small town, this person is in your life somewhere. <laughs> and so, and that's she captures that so beautifully the the heartache and the sadness, but also like the the brief little moments of triumph. And uh, you, you, it's she's impossible not to kind of root for, even as she's not early on very much not a good person she Mm -hmm. she's got a long way to go and she's not necessarily going to get much better but she certainly you still can't help yourself from rooting for her to get better and that's really uh part of the charm who knows what happens after this movie ends you know she could go right back to being who she was before but that's part of the part of the drama part of the uh just what's so compelling about to leslie number five uh, time to bring Nocturna back. Uh, Nocturna, uh, A and B, uh, just a, such an incredible movie. It's a horror film that uses old age and dementia uh, to as, as using horror to ex, to explore old age and dementia is such a bold 
and dangerous idea. And uh, Gonzalo Cazada, the director, just does an amazing job of being both sensitive but also delivering on just one big scare after another. The way he uses this one apartment set uh, and you know, breaking windows, the sound design, the the uh, choices of characters who live above and below, like the the people who come to the door. It's just it's all so incredibly well done. The cinematography is incredible. The set design is amazing, and he uses it all to terrify you while also really genuinely explore, exploring grief and loss and aging. The the main character is a hundred years old. Uh, the actor looks 110 years old, uh, <laughs> and, he, uh, like, it, and it's it's can be very very scary. The visuals are very 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 creepy. It's a creepy movie, and and yet it's also an incredibly thoughtful and intelligent film. And I watched it. We watched it back in January. That's how long ago that was. A year ago, we watched this movie, and it stayed with me through all 12 months to the point where when I was putting my list together, I'm like, I can't leave this off. That this has to be in the top five yeah it's like you know you can compare it to a david lynch or a terrence malick type movie but it's it's smaller and it's it also makes sense you know there's no you kind of can follow it eventually at some point but it you're confused early on and it kind of starts to come together and make and then you throw in this part b which is like a some progressive rock band who does all the good songs are on side A and the side B is just this instrumental medley of gobbledygook that's awesome, but at the same time, <laughs> you're normally not going back to that side. Uh, <laughs> it, but it's still awesome that it's there. I don't know. Yeah, visually, it's just the the the, the part B is just visually it it adds a great deal of dimension to the to the story of uh, of, of the main story about the old man. Yeah, because don't they do? I'm trying to remember because it was almost all visual and sound. Yeah, all different perspectives of like the same time, right? Or it's almost like death is uh, right. unembodied. Right. Death is like reaping through the halls of this apartment where the old man lives, and it's all set to this very discordant soundtrack. No one can see it except maybe the old man. See, kind of can see it, but not really. It, it's very creepy. It's incredibly well done and accomplished through just amazing filmmaking technique. I mean, this movie's up its own ass, but in like the best possible way. <laughs> there's times well they do it well, and there's times people do it bad, but this is one where they do it great. Uh, Jeff, number five. My number five is another horror movie, because it's such a good year for horror movies. Uh, Barbarian. I went into this blind which i think everybody should mm-hmm. uh i think it, it adds such a a big layer um what you think is going to happen never materializes you this is a movie where i found myself actually talking to the screen like don't do that don't do that and then of course they do that <laughs> because it, it what would a horror movie be without people doing stupid they things do that without taking you out of it that was the <laughs> yeah. best part. exactly Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, just the fact that you've got, I mean, you've got uh, um, Bill Skarsgård, who is, I mean, he's, you know, he's pretty well known, and you think he's going to be the male lead, and he kind of Janet Lee's it halfway through, 
you're just like, uh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Uh, Georgina Campbell is great in it, and it it takes your expectations and it subverts them every twenty minutes. And you know, even at the end, you're like, holy shit, I can't believe they did that. And mm-hmm. uh, and then I you have you have to see this movie, and if you can possibly see it without see like even seeing the trailer just go and watch it and it's just so much fun and it's just that that it's got that 80s feel to it where you know like a movie like humongous or just before dawn where you just you just don't know what's going to happen so that i that's all i have to say because i don't want to spoil anything (laughs) couldn't agree more more, but then it, it's directed by Zach Kreger, who's uh, not a guy who's known for this. He's the he was with the the comedy troupe, the whitest kids you know. Like this is not uh, anything you would expect from him, and he just uh, totally totally goes Jordan Peele, like it just subverts every <laughs> expectation of him you might have. Uh, the Justin Long stuff. It, I mean, just to Phenomenal. to take the second act of your, of your movie and just to you halfway through just drop everything to bring this Justin Long character into it is so bold and that it works is just amazing. Justin Long is so great in this movie and uh, where they take that from there. It's just, it's just awesome. What an awesome movie. Well, it's also not a fun role to play the role he plays. I mean, he has fun with it, but it's such a, I don't want to give anything away, but it's just, it's cool that he took on that role. It was my number 11 pick on my list. I, I barbarians. Awesome. Uh, definitely see it and definitely the, the less you know going in the better it'll be and if you know stuff it'll still be good but it's you'll the experience is so much better when you're caught off guard uh my number five is the last biased choice on my list uh i know it's not one of the greatest movies of the year but i've seen it three or four times already clerks three uh it's just so you know Kevin Smith's making movies for his fans and nobody else and I'm a fan so it's for me it's not for everybody else Sean and I got to go and see it followed by a Q&A and then meet Kevin Smith it was just such a fun all around every time I've seen this movie the experience has been great and uh probably the one of the best times I've had this year total just being there at the Kevin Smith thing uh so that's why it's on my list but I just it's not even a movie you know he's just making it for his fans uh and i think if you're not a kevin smith fan you're gonna watch and be like what the hell is this some of this doesn't even make sense (laughs) uh but to everybody else who watches watched the commentary tracks watched his evening with all those things he, he pulled stuff from like all of it and put it in this movie and i just thought that was fun and awesome I couldn't agree more. And I loved Clerks. I couldn't put it on my list because I have absolutely no like objective way of looking at it. Because oh, it's not such at a all for me. personal <laughs> emotional movie that you know, I could probably put you know anywhere uh, other than number one. Like it's just I loved it a, a lot. I love Kevin Smith a lot, and uh, yeah, just a wonderful experience seeing that movie. It's his. It's such a. It's his most mature work, but still. Uh, Classically, Kevin Smith funny, uh, and yeah, it's it's terrific. I love Clerks. 
Number four. I haven't seen it yet. I keep saying I'm going to see it, but are you a fan? Um, I am <sighs> casual. I am now. I'm a casual fan. Over the years, like I used to listen to Smodcast. I was. I remember listening to the day it dropped, where he did the poll. Where you know, are we going to do? You know, like let's. Morris, yes. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just kept coming up with like Tusk, and he started talking about uh, Moose Jaws, which is finally getting made. Apparently, you know, and I'll, so I, I have been with him for years. Um, I. I recently like I stopped listening to his podcasts because he doesn't he had for a while there wasn't a lot new to say. Right. Um and he just kept, you know, it was every every week it was the same thing. Did you know I have a heart attack? Yes, we know. You know, let's talk about some, you know, let's talk about something different on Fat Man uh Fat Man on Batman or Fat Man Beyond. It just kind of got very well, he had so many different shows, and you're right. He'd tell that story on every show separately. <laughs> then he'd be interviewed on another show that's not even his, and he'd tell it again. I must have heard the heart attack story, I don't know, 80, 90 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get it. I get it, and I, I like him. I don't dislike him. Uh, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, ever since he lost a bunch of weight, he got he's not fun anymore. I don't think that. I think that I yeah, – I'm – <laughs> I used to listen to Joe Rogan three times a week, so I've kind of moved beyond that broy thing for mm-hmm. a while. I will drop it, like even Mark Maron. I will drop in if I like somebody that he's interviewing or right. I'm kind of curious about it. I'm I'm over the comics talking to comics kind of thing, and I sometimes get that vibe from Kevin Smith. Yeah. Not that he's you know necessarily a comic, but he they all it, it all is very insular and i think that lately his stuff has seemed very insular to me well yeah so james and bob breed it was very yeah <laughs> oh yeah. yeah to the point where it's probably not even good i mean i enjoyed it enough <laughs> but that'd probably be the one movie would be like yeah that one's bad but otherwise i liked everything he's done i yeah. bought the blu-ray for 7.99 and i watched it i i just added the thing to my voodoo and i was like Oh, okay. Well, I guess I don't need to keep this disc even, you know, and it's like, I loved Clerks and I really loved Clerks 2. Yeah. So I'm sure I will like Clerks 3. I've heard, you know, mixed reviews. I know what it's about. It's about his heart attack. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Again, it's about his heart attack. And that's one of those things where it's like, you know what? I'm going to see Bullet Train before I see Clerks 3. And I haven't, and Bullet Train is like sixth or seventh on my list of on my queue right yeah. now. So. And he does go through every beat of that story he's told a million times in this movie. Uh, but I don't know. I just I I still love it. Yeah. <laughs> Number four. Number four is X, uh, the first of two Ty West movies on my uh, top five here. Yeah. Uh, X is. Uh, an incredible horror film set in the 70s in the porn industry, well, outside of the porn industry, but wannabes who want to get into the porn industry. But it's also just this incredible like exercise in filmmaking, recreating the time period, recreating the look, and then adding in the, the amazing gore and the, just the tremendous suspense. I mean, just the, the, the set pieces that he creates to put these characters into harm's way are so clever and so smart and even like just almost absurdly funny. Like you're, you're just kind of left shocked 
by the choices that he makes, even as, you know, I mean, each of these characters are, are basically, other than Mia Goth, eventually, are just uh, are just cannon fodder, you know? <laughs> and, and and yet you never feel that. You never sit there with that and, and just like, okay, well, here's another one to die. Uh, these are these are really cool characters. They're really interesting. Each of them has a very small but very unique arc, and then the way they die is so broad and so spectacular. And then you see who's doing it. I mean, just the choices, af- choice after choice after <laughs> choice is just so smart and scary and gory and absurdly hilarious. Uh, I, I'd never been much of a Ty West fan before and now I've got two of his movies in my top four because he's just this year he created two movies that I will never forget I cheated yeah this is one yeah I I did I did the same so you know what I'm I I included that with Pearl so I'm gonna talk about X now um it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with actual gore you know, it was his homage to that 70s grindhouse Texas Chainsaw aesthetic. And I, like Sean, I'm never, you know, Ty West, he's fine. But wow, this movie blew me away. And Jenna Ortega is a goddamn star. This was like, this was what really solidified it for me. She was the only thing I really loved about the Scream reboot. Scream 5. No matter what they say, it's still spelled. She was like, she was the star of that movie to me. She just had that. She just got it. And uh, between I saw that and I was like, oh, I really like her. I saw this and I was like, I want Jenna Ortega to read my recipes when I'm cooking. I want her to be in everything. And it looks like she's going to be because she was amazing in Wednesday. She's, uh, you know, she just has that star quality in this. And it's, and it's a real like toss up between her and Mia Goth in this particular movie to who I like more. And you're supposed to be with Mia Goth all the time. Uh, and I was, I was, we'll talk about that later, but I, I just love this movie. It was such a revelation. And I, I did not, I'm the idiot. I did not stay through the credits to see the, the tag. So I didn't know what was coming, mm-hmm. but I'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah this was just two of the best experiences of the year and i don't have much more to add i mean you're 100 percent right jenna ortega in kind of like the smallest role in the movie almost steals every scene by just kind of being in the background it's so weird uh, well she has the biggest arc you well know, yeah her character mm-hmm. has the biggest arc in the movie and i think that she pulls that off like oh the rest of the cast don't get me wrong everybody well, in this cast great. is it's like a revelation, you know, kid Cody. I was like, he could. <laughs> yeah. I, this was just so much fun. Everybody should, especially if you're into horror movies, it's probably the best of the year or this and the other one, Pearl. Uh, my number four was crimes of the future. Uh, I oh, was, wait, so what was Jeff's number? Did we do Jeff's number four? Oh, you know oh, what? Skipped over my mine. number. F- Sorry. No, that's fine. My number four was Glass Onion, and we've talked about it twice on the show, and then tonight, the, I, my number four was Glass Onion. Moving on. Sorry. <laughs> my apologies. My number four is Crimes <laughs> of the Future. Uh, 
Cronenberg was just never a guy I never watched other than History of Violence and Eastern Promises, which I think most Cronenberg fans would say, you know, you need to go back to the 80s and see his other stuff. So over the last couple of years, we've been watching his movies and just falling in love with everything he's done. And this was just so cool and so awesome. I mean, it, it was, I was surprised he made some of this that lived up to what, what the expectations and hype was going to be. Uh, the story is so unique and original. Just the things he does with gore and sex and it just, he's so, nobody's like him. And he's yeah. an old man and he's still pulling it off. I just, I found this movie fascinating. It's an honorable mention for me, Crimes of the Future. I, I, I totally dig it. I totally love what we've been been able to do the last year watching Cronenberg movies. Like, especially Shivers is still with me. Yeah. I'm still thinking about that one. Uh, I wrote a very long article about that movie because it is so great. But uh, it was because I got to watch Crimes of the Future as well. And just Viggo Mortensen and uh, Leah Seydoux and, I mean, Kristen Stewart incredible and just the the weird choices the the strange sense of humor this bizarre story and he brings it all together so brilliantly uh it it's just it's artful it's weird it's classically cronenberg and at the same time it's better than classic cronenberg in so many ways i i I loved it did you see it i tried to i tried to watch this three times and it was like, I'm going to watch this movie. This, you know, I can't wait to see this movie. And I started it at 11 o'clock. And I used to be able to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning every night and still go to work. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Um, so it did fail the sleep test. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> yes. It did fail the sleep test a couple times. However, I, w- it, I watched about half of it three times. And I kept i was like i want to see what else is happening so i'm gonna try it again and again and it's definitely a mood movie so you've mm-hmm. got to be you've got to give yourself some space yeah. to to walk around inside it a little bit and yeah if you're not if you're not in the proper headspace for it yeah 100 percent. that's why i like a decision to leave that's the same reason i haven't watched that yet is i've been able to make sure i'm in the mood ready to spend the time with a movie like that that i need to spend with it uh but yeah it's definitely one of those movies and you know what? That's one of my problems with watching movies at home and not in the theater mm-hmm. is I am not, I have, I, I probably should go get myself diagnosed because I think I have adult ADHD because I can't just concentrate on one thing when I'm at home. Um, it's one of the reasons I don't mind working in an office is because if I was working at home. I'd be like, Oh God, I got to do the laundry. And I, Oh, Oh squirrel, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I think that, you know, a lot of these movies I'm going to have to just, set aside a night where I watch a couple movies and don't do anything else. So well, and that's one of them. Well, and anymore it's like, maybe I can do one. I can't even do a couple anymore. That's the problem I'm running into. Getting yeah. Well, sucks. that's because we haven't convinced you to get, to leave your family yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> if, if they don't just leave your family, you'll have all this time. <laughs> That'd be such a great, no, I'm sorry. Let's not go. There. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lindsay doesn't watch this does she no <laughs> okay where are we at who what do number we three number three is it on you Sean yeah all right 
Uh, my number three is Tar. Uh, Todd Field directing Kate Blanchett in the story of a orchestra conductor who has a pretty significant downfall. I went into this having been kind of coached on the idea that this was about cancel culture and about uh, you know somebody abusing their power, uh, being taken down and quote-unquote canceled. This movie is so much more than that. It's so much better than that. It's so much smarter than that. Uh, the the idea is very broad. Uh, it's about abuse of power. It's about also just this character and deconstructing the idea of who this character thinks she is. She's got a she's a very puffed up person. She's uh, somebody who's made her name uh, by becoming a conductor. And really, the nature of what what a conductor does is kind of kind of interesting. She's best known for essentially conducting other people's work uh, and her own original work is rarely ever talked about in terms of what she creates on her own uh, and that's an aspect of it but then there's also her sexuality there's also the idea that maybe she abused her power with the, uh, a woman who is underneath her there's also the relationship between her and her assistant that has a lot of layers to it and Todd Field has explored a number of different ideas in a very smart way uh and then you reach this ending that is so fascinating <laughs> and so daring and it's just it's standing on the it's just on the edge of a of a razor blade it could go just so very very wrong in this ending but he manages to make it work and it works perfectly this movie couldn't end in any other way than it does uh, it's it's a really a phenomenal piece of direction, and of course, an, a, a titanic performance from Kate Blanchett, who just is is incredible in just about everything she does. Uh, Tar is my number three. I had this in my top fifteen. I think maybe even number twelve. Uh, probably could have been higher, uh, mainly because you saw it first and told me to go see it. So, whenever that happens, <laughs> it seems to affect it being really high on my list. Uh, but this movie has no judgment for the character. You know, you have Wolf of Wall Street. And I think PTA did a movie about some fashion designer or something like that. And I hated those just because mm-hmm. the characters are so unlikable. Thread. Yeah. And I just couldn't get into the movies. Here, he, like Sean said, dissects every layer of her. She's not just the person who's abusive. She's not just the conductor. She's all these different things, and they go through all of it and really the positive and the negative and he doesn't judge her and it's just a very well put together movie the ending i i think is phenomenal i love the fact that you know she loves what she does so much she'll do it here Uh, (laughs) and to give her that after all the horrible things she's done too it it, uh, you're not mad at it. it it's and it's not even really giving her. I don't know. It's just, it, it just is a very good uh, character study and a good way to not just judge one person on one thing they do. Not that that's what this movie is trying to say either. But I, I just was, I, I really, really, really liked this movie a lot. You made me think of something too when, about, when we're thinking about that ending, and I should have addressed this because I did a whole spoiler. Uh, uh, thing on the on the ending of this movie but there's almost a, a Fellini level we lose him mm, I heard maybe. Fellini level and then he stopped talking 
hit. Ooh, the, he's in a Fellini movie. That's gonna be brilliant too. When we lost it all, I yeah, I did not see it. Um, it's it's again, it's one of those movies where it's like I want to sit down and really watch it. And with the holidays and shit like that, there's just no way I was gonna sit down and watch it. I barely made it to the movies over break. You know what I mean? It, I haven't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a glass onion movie that doesn't take that much effort took me three times to spend with it. Oh, and that was so good in the theater. That was the that was that was what made the experience for me because you just couldn't wait. Oh, I, I could totally see it, and it, it was just kind of a movie when you're watching on Netflix, and that's just such a bummer. They really should have given that movie another couple of weeks. It should have ran in the theater up until like December 23rd and then they put it on, you know, and then it went to Netflix. I think it would have done so much better. Yeah. Um, they could have, like, I was listening to Ryan Johnson on Marin's podcast hey, and they uh, were like, yeah. I guess he just, I guess Netflix just doesn't like money. So they took it out of the field. <laughs> All right, Sean, yeah, Fellini level. <laughs> we lost you. Right yeah. Sorry. There. It was, a, a, there's a sort of absurd comedy. Again, it's another thing that just sort of occurred to me now and just makes me love this movie even more. Yeah. We waited for that. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Fellini. We're like, we got to get him back. We can't. Uh, Jeff, number three. Uh, my number three, is, my top three has kind of moved around up and down for the last couple of weeks since I started thinking about it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the menu for number three. Uh, everything I mean, this everything on this menu was Chef's Kiss. <laughs> the cast, the uh, aren't you glad you had me on here for these stupid dad joke puns? Um, <laughs> I mean, I I love everybody in this movie in different things. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, of course. Uh, I all every time. Anya Taylor-Joy comes out with a new movie, you know, like every three weeks. I kind of think, oh, I'm going to be so sick of her. And then I watch her act, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, I love her. She's so different you know? every time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's never repetitive. Yeah. Well, I, did you guys see the tw- the Queen's Gambit series? No. I saw some of it. I listened to that book in 2020 while I was living in L.A. and being, you know, stuck at home, and I'm... I, just, I listened to it and I was doing a puzzle and it was like all the things just kind of like it was so lyrical and I'm like this, there's no way this movie can live up this show can live up to this book and then it exceeded it and they cool. you know because it was a series everything was in it and she was just she's so matter of fact in her acting she there are there yes there are times when you know like uh, One Night in Soho she was over the top and very, you know, mysterious and whatever, but she's just so matter of fact, it, even in this movie, she's, she's the one who's going to confront Ray Fiennes and she's the only one who can do it because she's the only one who's not, you know, enamored with everything he's ever done. So, I'm so- uh, I, I, go ahead. Oh, and Hong Chao, Hong Chao just, this was, I think, I liked. I liked her in the whale. We talked about that, but this mm-hmm. for me, she was. She was exactly. She was the, the same 
polar opposite of Anya Taylor-Joy and that she was very matter of fact and she was going to have to do whatever it took to get done. And that's what made them perfect adversaries in the movie, even more, even more so than Ray Fiennes. I want to see this yeah, so an, bad, and I know that I'm yeah, not going to. You got to see. I'm it. not going to see it in the theater, and it's going to probably not be the same. <laughs> not that bubbles me <laughs> out, but anyway, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, it's interesting about Rafe Fines, and uh, he, he. You wouldn't think of to compare him to guys like uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg or Ben Affleck, guys who need a, a very strong-handed director. But indeed, I think he is one. When you look at some of the things that he's done in the past, where he's got. Uh, directors who kind of let him go, even himself, when he kind of directs himself, he can get very broad and sort of uh, lose the audience. When he's directed by somebody with a strong hand, like he is here with Mark Bailad, uh, or with the, when he was working with Wes Anderson, even uh, somebody who was giving him a very specific direction, he's incredible. He's a he's an incredible you know director's tool, and he's so perfect for this. He's so imperious and so dangerous. He's he's frightening uh in many ways and uh it's a really phenomenal performance and him and anya taylor joy have such an amazing uh spark uh of uh that antagonist chemistry it's really it's really phenomenal she's i mean even in movies that we think like uh, are very much more you know straightforward mainstream films like uh, what she did with with um uh oh gosh with m night Shyamalan. Uh, she made that movie. You know, she made even even the or awful parts of you know the terrible Shyamalan movie she was in. Uh, she was still you know better than that movie deserved. Uh, and then yeah, I loved Last Night, and so I thought she was amazing in that movie, and she's so great here. And then you get this ending, and Bob. I mean, I'm not spoiling anything and telling you this because you'll never see it coming. But it's it reminded me of the ending of Hereditary. Like I had the same sort of like the deer in the headlights look. <laughs> I can't believe this is the ending of this movie. Kind of reaction to it. That's awesome. Yeah, think of he is like Gordon Ramsay on mood stabilizers <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Everything's yeah. just under the surface. I can't wait till it's available to see. I think it's next week on HBO. Yeah, very well could be. Yeah, it's very. I know. I think it's this month for sure. But I think it's. It might be. I. I mean, I may already have it on Plex. I don't. Um, but it's. Uh, I think it's. I think it's next week. Yeah, it's weird for me now. It's like if I watch something at home, I'm gonna fall asleep. I don't care how good it is. I just. I can't. It's insane and it drives me nuts that I can't do that anymore and I I was like I could do the same thing I would be up all night I'd watch four or five movies a night go to work and be fine and now it's just like half a movie and I'm, my wife's like really you're snoring I'm like sorry <laughs> uh, let's see is it my number three yes yeah this is where I did the ex-Pearl combo, but I know we're going to get to Pearl again later. Plus, Jeff hasn't said them either, so we can move on from that one. But uh, number two. Before we get to number two, I wanted to drop in a little something special because I sent a message to a, our, our friend of the show, our former co-host, Josh, and asked him to send over his list. And this is in no particular order, but I just wanted to share this. This, uh, this is Josh's list of the best movies of 2022. Uh, Prey, The Woman King, 
Confess Fletch, which a movie oh, I hated, but you know. really? <laughs> uh, Wakanda Forever, The okay. Batman, Imagine that. Top Gun, Jesus Persuasion, Christ. Everything Everywhere All at Once, Nope, and Glass Onion. So that's uh, Josh's choice for the best movies of the year. And it's uh, it's fun to make fun of Josh. Uh, he is not here to defend himself, though. But he, <laughs> one thing I was going to mention about our list that I love is like there's no IP stuff on here. <laughs> Josh's list, <laughs> it's nothing but IP. <laughs> to be fair, Wakanda Forever is in my top probably twenty. It's probably yeah. I would say I that's Wakanda an honorable Forever. mention. Well, I like Batman, um, but and that is too. Yeah. But it's just, I, I, I crave something that's not that. Anymore. Just because we're so inundated with it, that's nothing wrong with it. I just crave something else. Well, you know, I mean, I like, I, I could, we could talk for hours about Marvel movies and, you know, Shang-Chi mm-hmm. was great and it wasn't just because Simu Liu took off his shirt, but that might have something to do with it. <laughs> um, Wakanda Forever, I just, I love how they stuck the landing Mm-hmm. You know about you know Chadwick Boseman's death. I mean, they they used that real life thing mm-hmm. so well that yeah. I mean, that's definitely in my honorable mentions. And I love Top Gun. I thought Top Gun was amazing. It's a, I think it's a top thirty movie for me. I think Top Gun is uh, incredible, and Tom Cruise was incredible in it. And yeah, you know, it was never gonna it was never gonna be in my top ten because I see a lot more movies than most people do. <laughs> Sure, I'm glad I wasn't on the show before that dropped because <laughs> then I didn't have to see it. I don't like Tom Cruise. I never saw it, so. I highly recommend it. I thought it was great. Can we get the Jar Jar edit with it where Tom Cruise isn't in it? Or is there. <laughs> Just see, integral to the story. <laughs> <Easy>. <laughs> Just planes and Miles Teller and jean shorts. Oh, God, I'm so. Thirty old man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> number two. My number, my number two is Pearl. Uh, Pearl Ty West's other movie this year is even that, that he made X and then made a better movie than X. It's just like the greatest directorial com- accomplishment possible. Because I honestly, when I saw X, like there's no way you could possibly do this. And then I found out later. I didn't see the post credits either. I I found out later he was putting out Pearl in the same year. I'm like that can't possibly be as good as this and then I watched it and it was so oh. much better. <laughs> it's just such an incredible movie. There are three at least three scenes in here that I'm just never going to forget. So there's the the scarecrow sequence which is just I mean it's it's so hypnotic and beautiful and brilliant but also just terrifying and weird and off-putting. Uh then you've got of course that monologue, that incredible like 10-minute monologue where it's just her talking that entire time it is mesmerizing uh she is engrossing she is just the, it's the best piece of acting i've seen in any movie ever arguably like it's just so good how the fact that that the horror movie genre is so disrespected that that critics aren't looking at her as the best actress of the last year just boggles my mind like you fu- you, you fucking fools uh, let's stop treating horror movies like they're not real movies. This is a real mm-hmm. movie. This is a real performance. And she is absolutely killing every moment of that. It is 
it is amazing. It's an amazing piece of work. And then that ending, that choice to just hold on her face for that long is so disturbing and so exciting. I, I just was blown away. Just the, the, again, I talk about choices a lot. The choice to do that in that moment and to just hold it, even though the credits are rolling, is phenomenal. Phenomenal movie. Well, for her to not break character ever. Yeah. I mean, it's. I don't. You're right. That monologue was the best scene of the year, or the best performance of the year alone. I. This. It, it's like the Wizard of Oz, and you know, in a as a horror movie, and it's. I. I've never seen anything like it, and I don't. It just was great. I'm not going to talk about it yet. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So we know where that's going. Okay. (laughs) Jeff, what's your number two? My number two actually at one point was Pearl slash X. But then Jamie Lee Curtis started talking so much and like ascribing five-year-old things with googly eyes to uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, I, this I, I really struggled between this and Pearl for my number one. Um, but this this movie has so much heart to it. And it's to take a multiverse movie and turn that into just a simple moral of the story that love trumps everything across the multiverse that, you know, you 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 really do have each other's backs whether you want to or not or whether you know you do or not that really just like that message stuck with me throughout the year um the fact that michelle yo is just she's she plays so many different versions of herself that you're just like i can't i can't believe i'm watching this masterclass she's gonna get nominated you know mia goth is not um they're, but they both deserve to be uh, mm-hmm. the the little in jokes in the movie really really set it apart for me like you know Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, IRS award that's a butt plug mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that they don't really you know they don't say anything to it about it until the end of the movie almost um, to see Ki Hai Kwan back acting again was really special because you know i always liked him in indiana jones the goonies and to see him back and he's the heart of the movie he's the one who ties everything together for all the other characters and you just sympathize so much with him that you know they're gonna lose all this because of his wife and you know her relationship with the daughter and it's just he's the one who across the multiverse brings her back and you know it just and who can forget hot dog fingers (laughs) absolutely my number one obviously not to skip you bob but yeah my number one movie uh everywhere ever ever, all at once uh it's my all-time favorite movie now uh after you know so many years (laughs) of the big lebowski yeah it's my favorite movie ever uh that's how much i fell in love with it yeah, it's my number one as well. Not favorite of all time, but it's top five probably. And sorry, Bob, what was your number two? <laughs> oh, Bardo. <laughs> we can move on. Uh, I just I love Inarito. I, I just 
even I just like being in his movies and experiencing them and it also hit at the right time when I finally I got to sit and watch it. Uh, it was just the, the stars aligned and it made for a great experience, but I know you thought it was over long and I don't think Jeff saw it, so we're, we can move on. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bar- Bardo's a terrific movie. It's a terrific movie. Uh, my number, my number one, obviously everyone, uh, everything everywhere all at once is just, like I said, it's my favorite movie of all time. And the the talent uh, of Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan together is just so amazing. Their their choices and storytelling and the and filmmaking they take something as ridiculous as a bagel with literally everything on it and invest <laughs> it with so much genuine emotion and weight. Uh, you you really I mean it's uh, that's talent. That's that's just that's filmmaking writing. You know acting talent <laughs> to to take something to take the things that they take that are so ridiculous like a uh a ver- an alternate world version of ratatouille but has a raccoon <laughs> instead like it but it becomes like genuinely emotional uh then you, you know everybody's playing all these various different versions of themselves and bouncing from one to the another and uh wow uh, just everything about this movie is just wow it's so emotional yeah, I I cry. There are three different spots where I cry, each of the three times that I've watched it so far, uh, and I, it just gets so incredibly emotional on top of being wildly outrageous and funny and weird, and you know, guys, you know, diving onto butt plugs and and people fighting with dildos, and I mean, just the ridiculousness, just it's so amazingly over the top and. Just so fitting of of uh, of these directors, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, especially Daniel Scheinert. Of course, uh, the death of Dick Long is a is an amazing movie uh, that everyone needs to see. Not nearly as good as this one, but certainly one that has a premise that, again, is just a filmmaking challenge to try and not turn into a joke, and he does it. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Uh, but he's just such a, a, a such a galaxy brain guy, and him and. Daniel Kwan, just thinking of everything. They've thought of everything everywhere all at once. Like they've thought of how to address all of it all at once and make it all make sense and give it an emotional resonance. And and on top of that, just to add this amazing level of filmmaking. It's just, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's my number one as well. We can back to Jeff in a little bit, uh, just since we're here. Oh, I'm going to take three hours to talk about my number one, so feel <laughs> yeah, free. I'm going to have to change the batteries then. Uh, no, I mean, it's so weird to have, you know, you're not the first one I've met that this is their favorite movie, you know, that usually there's more. I mean, I think when Josh joined the show, like everybody that he went and saw it with ended up being their favorite movie, like two or three different people. Uh, and he liked it quite a bit. I was in his top 10 as well. It's probably a top five for me with, I like Midsummer a little bit more, uh, but they're all right there. I have three A twenty four films in my top five. That's insane. <laughs> Same. Uh, it's you know, and I think it replaced Big Lebowski for your top spot. And like the Big Lebowski, it's every time I watch that movie, I feel like I'm watching it for the first time. Like I just, mm. it just, it never feels like a repeat viewing. And mm-hmm. same thing with this. It just, it's like a new movie every time. Now to Jeff's point, Jamie Lee Curtis on instagram and stuff not helping it <laughs> i wish you would stop uh 
But I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's a goddamn professional. Okay, the way <laughs> she she like she cheerleads everything she's in. But you know what? Shut the fuck up. You're not helping your case, especially with Halloween ends. Can we talk about the worst movies of the year? Uh, she, the way she talks this up, great. However, somebody putting googly eyes on a statue of Nathaniel Hawthorne or whoever it was mm. five years ago doesn't have anything to do with this movie. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. And it. Sorry. Some of that stuff, <laughs> I, which I more or less ignore. Uh, but it's she is phenomenal in this movie too. She'll probably get nominated oh, for yeah. a supporting role. Uh, anyway, I, we could talk about this movie forever. I'm sure it'll be a classic again in another two years, like Gone Girl was. Like I'm sure <laughs> Midsummer will be next year. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's phenomenal. Let's move on to just number one. I think we all know that my number one, and I I really thought about this one because this with between this and everything everywhere all at once it they switched places almost daily. Up until like even tonight, I was like, you know what's what has stuck with me, and part of it goes with my friends, and you know, like we have a Twitter group chat, and that's all about horror movies and Scream and all that. Pearl is a recurring thing, and I think it's just because of Mia Goth's performance. That fucking monologue, I I heard there's a long monologue. Okay, great, you know. I sat there and I didn't even like, I didn't even move. I just watched it. And I was, it was Tony Collette in hereditary. I am your mother. So I get fucking face off your face level of she deserves an Oscar for this. And she's not going to get one. It was that level of love for me. I, that I just, you knew where eventually it was going to end up because you've all seen X and that I could not separate the two. So that's, right. you know, there's just no way to separate those two in my mind. Um, Pearl is superior, but Mia Goth across those two movies, and the fact that she helped write Pearl. And I, I just, I, I loved literally everything about this movie. I kept, and I, and I kept wanting her to be good. That's, you know what I mean? Like, we all knew where she was going and how she was going to become a killer. And, and they're literally in the trailer and all the media, she's killing somebody with an ax, but you, the whole time you're just like, if this girl could catch a break, right. If you know, she's, Oh, she's already married. Oh, okay. And I kept wondering, is this the husband from X or is, you know, does she kill that? You know, she kills somebody and then she hooks up with it to find out that it was, mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. He sees her do all this and he loves her so much. And then you'd only find this out in the last 30 seconds of the yeah. movie. You want to know what happened the other 50 years? Yeah. yeah. It's like, how many times have they done what they do in X over the, you know, do they just host people? And I, I her, her, that, that like Sean talked about where they're holding on her emotions and she goes through happiness to see him to i can't believe i did this to my family to i hope you're gonna forgive me it's just the the range of emotions that play across her face during credits that it's just i it's one of my favorite movie my one of my favorite horror movies probably ever at this point and it's a character study 
wrapped in a horror movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And seeing seeing everything that she does in the movie and she just believes in herself so much she just needs one other person to believe in her and you find out at the very end the only person who 100% believes in her is her husband who has seen some shit in the war <laughs> and it's so she, it's heartbreaking it's exhilarating to see how she, how is she going to get out of this one you know and the, and you think you really think that when she's sitting there and she's doing this monologue with her sister-in-law and she's just talking herself out of everything and into everything. And you really think that she's just going to feel relief and well, she'll probably get caught now. And maybe that's what happened in the, in the 50 years she went to prison and then she came back, you know, but no, of course not. You know, and, and when it happens, you're like, well, okay, that's the only way it could happen. Yeah. Um, the, just the scene of the, you know, the, the mother who won't take chair quote unquote charity when they're starving to death. Mm-hmm. Um, the way she's like kind of seducing her dad, but then pulling back at the last minute, like she can't cross that threshold, but she just really wants to get fucked. You know, it's like <laughs> to the point where she's like, Oh, Hey dad, I guess I'm going to bathe in front of you. Cause who knows? Maybe they'll snap you out of your flu induced coma or what, you know, it's like, I just, I, this is, I, I bought a special edition of it just to get a different cover. Cause I just thought it was so striking. And the visuals in this movie are, I mean, the, you know, you see the alligator from the first, from X mm-hmm. and not really the origin story, but, but you kind of hope that that's the origin right. story. You're kind of like, oh, do it, do it. Your life will be so much better if you just do it. Oh, it was an accident. And her mother, what a bitch. Wow. Yeah. But, but you get where she's coming from, too. Mm-hmm. And that's Ty. I think Ty West is so talented. I mean, I knew he was, you know, I've, I've seen The Innkeepers, which I really, really want everybody to see. It's just, it's a really good um, kind of almost like supernatural drama. Uh, and Kelly McGillis is in it, who speaking of Top Gun, um, I, he's just so talented, and he's just these two movies this year. He's really just coming to his own. Oh yeah, and he, you know, kind of kind of transcended the rest of the mumblecore, you know, you know, horror genre that he was part of. Um, I I can't I cannot wait to see Maxine. Oh my I god! Just, it's, it's like. <laughs> If it's half as good as Pearl, it'll be in my top five next year. <laughs> it's the most anticipated movie. Like, it's just the absolutely most anticipated. What is that? Uh, the, I just, I can't, I got to go back to the, that monologue for just a moment. Because the, there's a, you know, when I watch like The Big Lebowski, like there, that film, or, or like A Serious Man is another one of my all-time favorite films. They're movies that are that are basically symphonies. They rise and they fall. They have these bigger moments and then they drop back down. Like it is watching like a great symphony. And that monologue is an amazing symphony with such amazing rises and falls and shifts in in perspective. And it, she's just weaving this story so beautifully to think, okay, okay, the sister-in-law is going to be able to leave. Wait, no, she's mm-hmm. not. No, yes, she is. Okay, okay, go. No, 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 wait. Now we're going wrong again. <laughs> like the back and forth in that moment is just it, throughout that whole 10 to 12 minutes that she's talking, 
is incredible. And then when she finally does get up to leave, here she comes with the act. I mean, oh my God, the choice. You think she's going to make it? Yeah. Still up to that point. You're like, okay, (laughs) she's going to make it. Yeah. She's got a chance. And this takes place a hundred years ago. So you think back then people just don't talk about shit, you know? So she was maybe just going to go and like, maybe talk to her brother and say, you know, Pearl needs some help. But, <laughs> oh, my God. But she has those, I mean, that monologues, but she has little mini versions of that throughout the movie yeah. where True. she is literally, everybody she kills, she's back and forth before she does it. And you're kind of in the perspective of the person that's going to get killed. And it, it's really, I mean, she's crazy. And it's kind of terrifying to watch in a fun way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to, to, your, uh, to your question a few minutes ago, Bob, Maxine is the third in the trilogy and it's about Maxine from X becoming a big porn star in the eighties. So it takes place after X and it's her story. And I just, I, I can't imagine what they're going to do to top Pearl, but fingers crossed. It's, right. it's my most amp- anticipated movie of this year. Same other. Well, I mean, it's right there with, with of course the new um, new Ari Aster movie that those two yeah right on the same and level. Let's not forget next week, Megan. <laughs> I can't. I, I really am looking forward to that movie because it looks like it's batshit crazy, and I hope it is. Have you guys gone and watched Ari Aster's shorts? I haven't. No, I haven't. I'm, I'm terrified of it. Honestly, like in a good way or a bad way. In a good way, like I, I think I, I probably, I don't, I don't know, I'm not prepared yet. <laughs> yeah, my wife was just, she was watching TikToks. She starts naming these movies. Goes, have you heard of these? I'm like, no. She's like, apparently it's the guy who did Hereditary. I was like, what? Give me the list. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched anything yet, but uh, I've looked them all up, and I'm just kind of like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, I'm looking forward to that next year. I, yeah. Next year's going to be a fun one, too. A couple of things to mention. Obviously, we, we went through a few of the honorable mentions, but I did want to throw in some movies for people to, to watch. Uh, uh, on the Count of Three, Gerard Carmichael's mm-hmm. movie. Uh, it's really tremendous. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, also, it, it, it's hard to believe this didn't end up on either of our lists, Bob, because we talk, when we talked about it, we absolutely loved it. The Northman, actually, it, I forgot that we almost came out this year. <laughs> like it, it, Things got so good. Uh, that the Northman actually didn't make my list. Uh, uh, but yeah, that that movie's incredible. Uh, Moon Manor is yeah. a very little movie that I wish people would would take a chance to see. It's a really lovely film about uh, deciding to die. Uh, then Men. I know you didn't love it as much as I did, but I still it, that one sticks with me. Alex Garland is amazing. Uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth. I think uh, maybe the best comedy of the year. The best pure comedy of the year. Uh, certainly my favorite romantic comedy of the year and a director uh, to watch for sure. And uh, Cooper Rafe, uh, then uh, we're all going to the world's fair. Jane Schoenbrunn's movie is so good. And I, I debated so hard about putting that one in the top 10. It was in the top five for a little while. It's just such an amazing movie. All the beauty in the bloodshed, uh, Laura Portress's documentary, Nellie and Nadine, which we talked about on the show very recently. Uh, for animation, the best animated movie of the year was Belle. Uh, it's a Japanese animation film and just this extraordinary film. Hatching, uh, one of the best horror movies of the year as well. 
Uh, just such an incredible movie about a young girl coming of age and using the horror tropes, kind of like, much like Nocturna, uh, using the tropes of horror to tell a story about a, a young girl who is becoming a young woman. And then the one that was so hard for me to leave off the list was God Forsaken, uh, the best found footage horror movie of the year. One of the craziest, most fun and exciting experiences I had watching a movie this year was watching God Forsaken. It's such a, an incredibly low-budget movie, but they use the tools of filmmaking so very, very well. A guy is attending a funeral for a, a woman he dated years ago. Uh, he's a family, a friend of his from from high school, who passed away, and he's just he's there. And then suddenly something happens in the funeral home, and he goes rushing in. And apparently the body has crawled out of the of the casket and is going crazy around town. You, I mean, it's so awesome and so exciting and so exhilarating and. Uh, I wanted so badly to put it on the list, but I couldn't quite convince myself to to leave off Moon Age Daydream because I, I love that movie so much. But yeah, you've got to see Godforsaken. If you love horror movies, especially if you're a fan of the found footage genre, which isn't a great genre, it's definitely the lowest grade of horror movie oftentimes. But for a found footage movie, Godforsaken is incredible. I fought to have that on my list too. The only thing I would say kind of falls apart at the end it's yeah. it's so great the first two thirds of it. Uh, that was the only reason I ma- I was able to convince myself to leave it off. Because uh, <laughs> like I said, it was hard. The top thirty for me were really good. Uh, you know, we've I, I liked Windfall a lot. Uh, Terrifier two obviously was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. After Yang Moon Manor, uh, I loved uh, Metal Lords on Netflix. Uh, I don't know. Anything else, Jeff, that we're forgetting? Um, I also liked Men. Uh, that was in my honorable mentions. Northman was as well. I th- Visually, was probably one of the most beautiful movies in the last year or five years even. Um, Bjork in that movie. Oof, mm-hmm. Awesome. That, that visual of her just made me want to paint it. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like... Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to paint that, but I want to do a sticker. I don't know. Um, I already talked about Fire Island and Bros, which uh, I want to. I want to talk about Bros for just a second. It was. I don't know if you, if you're if you like difficult people or Billy on the street. A lot of people don't like Billy Eichner because he's so acerbic and kind of mean spirited in his comedies sometimes. But there are legitimate laugh out loud moments in Bros that. I would. It was. I put it on the other night to go to sleep to, because it just. It, I had started it, but then I quit it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna just turn this on because I've seen it already, and I can fall asleep to it. And I found myself up for an extra half an hour just laughing, because he says some of the meanest shit. <laughs> that, I mean, it's stuff that I would probably say. Um, also, my friend John is in the movie. Just you just see him on uh, in Provincetown. Um, uh, smile. I, I was, uh, I had a horrible, like theater experience with it, because I saw it on a night before uh, uh, a day off for school, <laughs> for high school kids, <laughs> and, um, you know that that to me is like, 
I, look, I only get to go to the movies every once in a while, and I want to sit and watch this movie, and that's why I went to the 8 o'clock on a Sunday show, not realizing that there was no school the next day. Um, but I watched it again after, and just just <laughs> Sosie Bacon is so good in it, and you, you see her descent into it, and it you know takes some chances in the third act that kind of didn't expect. Um, but I really liked that one. I saw, I just actually watched it. It came out at the very, very end of the year, but there's a, um, a documentary called This Place Rules on HBO Max about the lead up to the January 6th oh, insurrection. I watched that this weekend. Yeah. And Holy within fuck. the first five minutes, I needed a Silkwood shower because these <laughs> people are fucking disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I realize that they yeah. are actual human beings, but just I could I felt like the lights were just jumping off the screen mm-hmm. onto my lap, and you know, and it's and there's a scene, Sean, that you'll love because this guy he calls everybody a pedophile. He's oh, they're a pedophile. They're a pedophile. He's like the guy holds up he holds up a picture of Hillary Clinton. She's a pedophile, and she's the one who eats babies, you know. And I mean, just like all this QAnon bullshit that if you if you really aren't in a cult is really disturbing to think that people think this about people just because they disagree with them politically. But Mm -hmm. then he holds up and reads (laughs) this same guy's conviction for sexually abusing a 13 year old boy. And the guy was like, Oh, I had, I had to do it. I had to be guilty because they were going to get me anyway. You know, the deep, and it was all about the deep state. I was like, every accusation is an admission with these people. Wow. Yeah, he just and calls you, everybody I, pedophiles, and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're a pedophile, and here's proof. Yep, exactly. And I've, you know, I'm like, I I have to mention that I'm a homo every time we record a show, but I get really sick of, and I, th- I, and I, and I, honestly, I do that so that people who listen to this who might not know any other gay people, <laughs> <laughs> no one, you know, it's like not everybody who's gay is a groomer or a pedophile, you know, and that's see, that's the discourse that we're at again. And I'm tired of being used as a political cudgel every two years when, you know, somebody's running for office. Um, but really look into the people who are using that kind of language towards LGBT people and drag queens and whatever, because there is such a long list of those people committing these crimes and this really drives that home. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to get off my soapbox and just lean back. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week, uh, and I'm probably, I've, I haven't told you guys what next week is yet. So we got Megan. We're also getting uh, a man called Otto a week uh, earlier oh. than what we were told. So the new Tom Hanks movie is Damn out it. this weekend. Uh, those two movies, plus, uh, I've, I've just recently reviewed the movie uh, Bar- uh, The Adventures of Baron-, Baron Munchausen, which is on the Criterion Collection now for the first time. So if you want to take a look at that, that's a good one. And the, the classic is going to be uh, the movie Giant, which is going to be shown by the Film Foundation online uh, starting this weekend, starting on Saturday. Uh, Giant with uh, James Dean uh, and Montgomery Clift. Well, I haven't seen that movie in 30 years. <laughs> good yeah. opportunity to catch up. I haven't seen it. Period. Yeah, so, great. Really looking forward to Megan. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Just the bat shittery again. 
Is this I, hope one of those, I hope it's that. Is this one of those January throwaway horror movies, or is you think it could be good? Well, uh, Richard Newby, who uh, he on Twitter was somebody uh, actually. My friend Ruben was like, "No, it's 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 going to be dumped. You know, it's a, it's going to be bad because it's dumped in January." And he was like, "Look, I'm going by a bunch of people who have seen it and they really loved it." Um, uh, there it. He said that he thinks it's because there's such a crowded slate of movies that Bloom, Bloomhouse takes takes the risks of putting stuff in, you know, in months that don't necessarily. Yeah, that's true. You know, and he said, "Look at Scream. The mm-hmm. original Scream came out in January, and it was a huge hit, and it was a critical, you know, it was a critical and the public hit. Um, so yeah. never count it down, you know, never." You know, never say never. I'm um, trying to think positive thoughts, but yeah, the first movie of the year tends to be bad. It just, uh, in my experience, the first movie of the year just tends to be bad, uh, theatrical anyway. Uh, but that said, that said, uh, the trailer for this is giving me orphan first kill vibes, and that's a good vibe. So I'm uh-huh. I'm all in for that. <laughs> yep. And you know what? I hope it's hope it's half as good as orphan first kill as far as like the batshit shit because <laughs> it that was so much fun i i really hope that we are gonna have another good year for horror movies because 2022 was just perfect good if we have Ari Aster um, and ty west this year we should be good yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely and i'm i'm and hey, there's up- actually i've i've not uh, mentioned them yet but i do have reviews of uh two really terrific horror movies that are already out in limited release called uh, one is called Candyland, uh, which is about uh, sex workers at a truck stop and uh, a religious uh, cult that invades and a, uh, and another movie called human resources, which is directed by a 19 year old named Braden Swope, uh, which is about a guy who takes a job at a hardware store that happens to be uh, home to a bunch of demons. Uh, it's a tremendous movie uh, that also has kind of a, a, a very unique point to make about, uh, you know, work cultures that try to make you think that uh, your job is your life. Uh, that's the kind of the idea here. And uh, really well explored. Human Resources. Uh, tremendous film. Awesome. All right. What other movies are you guys looking forward to? It's- Just a couple. I'm so under a rock right now. I mean, obviously now Maxine, <laughs> but that started today. <laughs> and then the Ari Aster movie are, are the two that, you know, if Kevin Smith gets Mallrats 2 done or Moose Jaws, they'll that. But I don't know what else is coming out. Yeah, the only one I've really noticed was, I know you won't care about this one, Jeff, but I'm looking forward to the next Mission Impossible movie. I've liked all of the Mission <laughs> Impossible movies, and uh, Dead Reckoning looks really cool. I'm going to just say this now, now that we are in a new year and it's my first like beginning of the year on the show, I'm going to make a, uh, I'm going to make a resolution to not feel the need to see every single movie (laughs) because (laughs) there are movies that I'm going to see that you guys won't want to see. And I will, I'll take the hit for the horror movies Sean, you have to see these because this is literally <laughs> your job. But um, you know, like I, I, I've heard really bad things about a man called Otto, mm-hmm. 
And that trailer looks absolutely, it looks like somebody just put fluoride in your diet Pepsi. You know, it's just like, so, uh, um, so yeah, enjoy that one, Sean. Um, <laughs> I am cautiously optimistic. Like, uh, even though I was burned in 2022 with uh, uh, Scream 5, cautiously optimistic for Scream 6, even though their marketing team got caught ripping off a guy's poster this week. Hmm. Um, I'll, I got to start posting some stuff on our, on our page because there's, there's been some stuff lately. Also, you'll get to see my Pearl. Uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Straight Jacket? No. That's a Joan Crawford uh, hag exploitation movie from the '60s, where she kills her much younger husband, played by Lee Majors, the Six Million Dollar Man, and his girlfriend. She comes home early and catches them, so she kills them with an axe. And that movie gave me, like, when I saw Pearl, it gave me Street Jacket vibes because there's just all these pictures of Joan Crawford with an axe. But I did a mashup of Pearl. And I call it Pearl Jacket. Uh, I'll post that. I'm going to post some of the stuff, you know, like this, this, the ripping off of this Brazilian artist's scream subway poster. Um, yeah, I'm going to, that, that's my resolution for the show is I'm going to try to post a little more and really make this a horror movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the cocaine bear is something I think I want to see. Oh yeah. Yeah. Renfeld, Nicholas Cage transforms yep. into Dracula. That looks cool. Uh, I'll skip Creed three because Stallone said two. <laughs> I don't think for myself. You should know that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just no hard feelings. I don't know. Anyway, no idea. Uh, it's a movie Lawrence. sponsored by Vi- Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, yeah, I. Oh, Oppenheimer. Who did that one? That's Christopher. Christopher Nolan. Nolan yeah. Oh, never mind. Fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> totally did that for the bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else before we wrap up this episode? No, that's it. Just uh, see everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, hopefully next year is even close to this year. Yeah, this was a great year. <laughs> this is a if great you have not seen Pearl and X, watch X first, then Pearl, and then you'll want to watch Pearl over and over and over again. I'm actually going to watch that tonight. That's my bedtime <laughs> movie. <laughs> nice. All right. I'll talk to you all later. Cool. See you. See you later. Bye.